Hey there, on this 8-10-2022, it's EDB, that's Eric Deshaun Barrett, and I believe you connected to this because you're ready for our Wednesday meditation, which will begin in just a few moments. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, there's somebody. Hey there. Hey. Uh huh. Mm. It's a beautiful morning. It is. Yes, it's it's about, it's supposed to be. Uh, let me see here. It's supposed to be about. Oh, it's gonna get up to about a hundred and ten today. No, it ain't gonna be that hot. Uh. <laughs> It's going to get up to 92, and then it's going to rain all afternoon. And it's uh, supposed to be in the 70s. Tomorrow. tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. So, it'd be, hopefully we'll get a cool off. Yeah. But this morning, before we get in the gear, uh, we want to take a few moments and... Uh, we want to uh, uh, either lift up a prayer or take a few moments to uh, send a message to somebody who you know needs to, to be here with us on this morning. And so you can uh, do that. I know a lot of you may not uh, know how to use technology uh, like we need to, but that's all right. We're going to work on that here in a minute. But until then, you can give a nice little prayer uh, for someone who, uh, as I said, needs to be here and uh, put them on your mind, whether it's your best friend, your sister, your daughter, your cat, somebody you know needs to needs to be with us this morning. <clears throat> I'm sending out my text message, and uh, for those people, soon we'll have you learn how to, you know, hit the 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 plus button on your phones, and that'll let you call your neighbors and your friends and. And you can invite them, remind them, wake them up, say, hey, we on there. We'll do that, like I said, a little bit later. But right now, just pray for them. Any name you think of, every name you think of, say, Lord, let them get up. They ain't doing that no way. You got a whole lot of folk at the house now. They're just cussing and fussing with themselves or, They've been down at the church, and they've been doing the same. So we pray for them this morning. Just a few more seconds we're going to take on that. And uh, we will move on. Uh-huh. All those who are out working this morning and 
They may not get to come to worship. We pray for them as well. Some folks, their jobs just won't let them connect. We will send them a prayer to this morning. Uh, amen. Well, again, good morning to you. It is so beautiful to be with you on this morning. That was response time, but you was busy drinking your coffee and cleaning your teeth. I understand. You didn't hear my good morning. Did, did I lose you? Oh, you want us to say good morning again? Good morning. I, 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 was, I, I was I was making sure you were still all right, that you hadn't fell to the bottom of a cup of folders. I was just making sure that you hadn't fallen. I'm still here. Well, you're probably at your post, so uh, we will uh, go on and hear, well, Oh, I lost my head. We're going to uh, take a few moments of corporate prayer uh, for those that we have prayed for and all the issues and things that uh, need to be talked about or thought about. We'll do that now. Then after that, my dear Mother Belle will have time to get to her post and get prepared for her musical melody. My dear grandmother is here. She will pray for us this morning, and then we'll have our musical melody. Most gracious and all-wise Father, we come again to tell you thank you. We thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for watching over while we slumbered and slept. We thank you, O merciful Father, for health and strength. We just want to thank you for all things. God, all those things that we just take for granted. But we say this morning, thank you. We just thank you, God. We come, God, because you love us so much, and we want to love you. You say, love the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And help us to love you. Help us to realize how sweet you are to us. Oh, God, help us. And, oh, merciful Father, you also say, love our neighbor as thyself. Help us, oh, God, to love. Love is the answer to every situation. Teach us how to really love. Move selfishness and indifference out of our way. God, we come as empty pitchers to a full fountain this morning, asking you to fill our cups up, God. Fill us up with your love. Teach us, O oh God, how to love one another. Teach us how to forgive one another. Teach us how to encourage one another, God. Help our words to be encouraging, uplifting to one another, God. We look into you, God, because you the only one can do it. And we ask you this morning, shine on us, God. Shine on us, O oh God, that we might be able to shine for you. That we will be the witness you call us to be that we will look to you for what's coming to our health and strength. 
knowing that all power is in your hand, knowing that you are the author and the finish of our salvation, knowing, God, that you love us so much, God. We just don't even comprehend how much you love us. Oh, your patience with us, your compassion with us, God. Oh, God, we just want to tell you thank you. We thank you for Look down upon our neighbors. Look upon this world. Oh, look upon our nation. God, we need you. Our nation needs you. Look upon us, God. Help us to turn to you, God, and to know that you can work out every situation, that nothing is too big, nothing is too hard, nothing, nothing can get by you, that you are in control of everything. You see everything. You know everything, and you understand everything. And we just thank you this morning. We thank you and we praise you. We love you, God. And, God, we just want to magnify your name and to give you all the honor, all the honor, all the praises, all the glory. Everything goes to you because whoever we are, whatever we do, is because of you. And we just want to thank you. We praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. morning after a beautiful piece like that uh, in the book of Ezekiel the 
book of Ezekiel chapter 37. And I want to begin at verse 1. I'm going to skip through here to get to my point. Ezekiel 37 verse 1 says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me around, all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and there were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bones bone. He said to me, verse 9, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord says. Breathe. Come from, four, from the four winds and breathe into the slain so they may live. Verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. I want to talk to this morning from the subject, the city that will rise from the grave. The city that will rise from the grave. And all those agreeing with the word respond with a howdy. Amen. 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 I was very uh, confused about this subject today because 
every now and again we have a huge crowd on Wednesday. For the most part, our designated time to have massive amounts of people is Sunday, and this seemed to me like one of those Sunday subjects. But for some reason, it was designed for us to have this morning. I don't know if that's by design or if I just didn't have anything else. I don't really know. But as I said, I was conflicted. Part of the reason for my confliction is because, as you know, I've been dealing in a wonderful time of understanding parts of this city or a part of this city. One of the major crises in this particular part, known as Ward 4, is how much of a desert it is. It is a social desert. It's an economic desert. It is, dare I say, a spiritual desert. And finally, it is a creative desert. It's a social desert because you look around and you see that the majority of the inhabitants, the people who occupy this corner of the city, are either not connected or do not wish to connect to anything civically. They have chosen or either have been forced to disenfranchise themselves, to disengage from the noise of the town. Some of that is self-inflicted because they don't wish to be involved in the hoopla. They're tired of the stupidity that is the politics of the day. They are tired of dealing with folks that want to fuss and cuss all day and not do anything. So they take refuge by just staying at their houses with the doors closed. Then there are those who, because of their situations, whether it's work or or educational choices, whatever the case may be, are not afforded the right to participate. One of the biggest tragedies, I believe, is when certain individuals decide that because they can work and go to school and fight at evening time, or should I say hold up a fist, or they did hold up a fist at the same time, that everybody else seemingly can do that. I'm not dismissing the fact that you worked hard and you scrubbed floors by day and studied by night and somewhere in between there you cooked the meals and signed the permission slips and even went out and painted out tracks. But that was a horrible time. No one should ever have to work under those conditions. And it's fascinating to me when I hear of a generation who uh, feels that because their lives was miserable, everybody's life should be. I thought that the general consensus of the generation was to do everything we can to make sure that the next was a little bit easier than the former. But sometimes I run into, at least lately, I've run into these conversations where uh, they feel that the former, or excuse me, the latter should be harder than the former. 
One lady told me, I don't understand these young people. They want it easy. We didn't have it easy. So why should y'all have it easy? Y'all should have to learn what we learned. You should have to suffer the way we suffered. Well, I'm of the conviction that every generation has its form of suffering. Every man born of woman, the scripture says, days are few and full of suffering. So who are we to decide upon how our penance of suffering is? But I won't hang there. Our social dryness, our educational dryness is a piece that I did not put in there, but I feel should be added for fear of omitting it. Educational dryness focuses on, as many of our educators have told me, that this this desire to want to pass a test and not be creative. Most of our teachers are struggling because they find it difficult to teach the students when all their ambitions or their mission is to make sure that they pass the SOL test and not that they can understand the creativeness of life. My dear friends, uh, family, a.k.a. my grandmother, despises it when I uh, speak of a particular person, so I will not call their name in this uh, time of sharing. But I speak strongly of a guidance counselor that I had who told me in the mid-2000s that the computer would not be the way. There's no way you're going to get any type of success off of that computer. And I remember talking a few days ago, and I said I found a a picture when I was in the FBLA and the TSA, FBLA being the future business leaders of America. And I looked in that picture. It was a national picture that happened at one of the national conferences. And inside of that picture was people like Jack Dorsey and and Mr. Page and a lot of other names that you probably do not know, but the one name that I'm sure you will know is one Mark Zuckerberg. In that class, the same class that I was in, the same class that that guidance counselor told me would not come to nothing, that would come to nothing, wouldn't be worth anything in the future, sat one Mark Zuckerberg. It's funny because now uh, that had to have been 2001, maybe 2000, 22 years later, two decades full and two years into the third. The centerpiece of our society, the cornerstone, the bedrock, the pillar by which our existence sits on socially, spiritually, economically, and dare I say educationally, the pillar that it sits on is all on the back of one man who sat in the class, along with other people, Twitter, 
and Jack Dorsey and Google and Mr. Page and YouTube was in there. All of these people that we rely on now that all made a living off of what? The computer. And yet, I was told 20 years ago that would amount to nothing. Educationally dry. Spiritually dry because we find ourselves operating in churches that depict upon our religion and our denomination rather than finding ways, and not all of them, of course, but a huge chunk of them who would rather focus on being Southern Baptists. I sat down with a gentleman a few days ago from the Catholic community, and he said, you know, the funny thing about it is when you study the scriptures, at least in his perspective, he said the scriptures focused on hope. The centerpiece of our faith was hope. I can agree with that because Hebrews chapter 11 specifies that. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so that makes sense to me when you say that our faith is derived from hope. But somewhere along the line, this particular person of ministry said that we became a moral society. We became focused not on providing people hope, but on delving into their morality. Uh, we are a church that focuses on whether or not you should have abortions or not whether or not same-sex marriage is fine, whether or not we should participate in some other this or some other that, even get down to our political ambition. If you're a liberal, you might need to go back to the altar, but if you're a conservative, you're probably going to go to heaven. It is a very fascinating thing how far we have gotten away from the hope of God and more focused on the identity of society, spiritually dry, creatively dry. As we look around in our culture and as going back to our teachers, one of them was saying we're training people to work and not training people to have a skill, to have an artistic ability, to focus on their talent. No, we're just stripping them of their talents and programming them with what makes sense for the culture, what, what jobs are available in society. We got truckers, okay, that's what we need. So we're going to train all of our students to be truckers. And, oh, now we need semiconductor makers. We're going to train all our people to be semiconductor makers. Now we need builders. We're going to train all our people to build buildings. It's all about what the culture needs. And how do we, as one educator say, create human robots to operate our cultural needs instead of the culture accepting what the people are gifted with? Going back to that class is very fascinating because in that picture sat a very 
robust amount of people, but this was around about 1998, 99, somewhere in there. And the funny thing about that picture from 99, all of them were in school at the time, but between 99 and now, most of them, a huge chunk of them, not all, but a huge chunk of them uh, is associated with a special D word. It's called dropout. Some of them dropped out of college, as Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of Harvard, mostly because the educational program that he had selected was not in any way, shape, or form connected to the idea that was in his brain. There was a gentleman who formulated the company known as Tumblr that became a social media blog, a place where you can... Uh, submit your ideas and uh, work and share and communicate via uh, compositionary uh, perspectives, if that makes any sense. Basically, it's a big old-fashioned place where you can just go and write a book or a paper or essay or something and put it out on the Internet. The gentleman who created that decided he was going to do that because he didn't like his English class. So he dropped out of 10th grade. There's another gentleman who uh, was from Australia, I believe. I was reading some time ago, who had this business idea, and he went to his parents, and he told his parents, he said, I want to pursue this idea. And his parents said, well, you know, you're not even legal yet. He said, but I believe I have this idea, this idea will work. And he said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do parents said, it will give you a year to pursue it. And if it doesn't work in a year, then we're going to get you back in school and you're going to go to college and you're going to go the traditional route. He agreed with his parents. Sadly, in that year, he had not performed. Not in a year he hadn't. He did it in six months. In six months, he had not only found a way to raise the capital to fund his business, but he had put the capital funding to use. He had operated, opened and operated his business, made a profit, and paid his capital investors back. It was working out of a seven- to eight-figure surplus. The joke was that he was hiring the same professor that would have been at the school he would have attended to work for him. But in our situation, in our community, that is kind of frowned upon because we are creatively dry. Why did I tell you all of this? I told you all of this because it seems as though we have found ourselves in a little bit of a conundrum. I was sharing with someone or someone asked me yesterday. Uh, Yesterday was very confusing because if you ever had that time where you're sitting there and you've probably seen this on TV where you have uh, the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, 
And you know how that that happens when the angel is telling you something good and the devil is telling you something bad. I'm not going to say the conversation I had was of that extreme, but it still was a conversation that caused me to take a moment of pause. On one side, there was the question, all of this effort that we're putting into it, what if you lose? Now you have put a lot of effort and energy into something that will not work because the persons who could potentially defeat you are not going to do the job that you are doing or you are just creating an environment to just hand over to somebody else and fund their ideas through yours. That made me feel upset because why would I sit here and slave and claw just to give somebody else my work? And then the other side of the conversation said, well, you go out there and you, you do the work. And I said, why would I do that not knowing whether or not I'm going to succeed? And the lady looked at me and said, that's where faith comes in. You have to believe that he that begun a good work in you is able to complete it. So I had those two moments, and then we find ourselves last night as I was sitting in bed and I was listening to some music on the YouTubes. I don't know why I was doing it, but it just happened to happen. There's a song that's out there called Waymaker. The song has lyrics something of the fact of miracle worker. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And during the singing of that song, as I heard the lyrics, I began to see the dry bones come to life. I began to see the possibilities. I began to see the opportunities. I began to see the ankle bones socially connect to the educational bone, connecting to the spiritual bone. I began to see it. But before I could see that, I went over to chapter 3, and I'm going to deal with that a little bit later. Chapter 3 said, listen, all of these things are possible, but before you get there, you have to understand something the people are going to look at you crazy. They're going to think you ain't got no sense. They're going to think that what you're saying is stupid. Actually, they know it's not stupid, but they want you to think that it's stupid. So you can't even pay attention to them. Don't look at their faces. There's some folks you would tell, and they're not even going to pay attention to you. Don't worry about them people. You keep focused on where you need to go. And our brother Ezekiel, as I work my way to my stopping point for this moment, brother Ezekiel, he had a conversation with himself that led him from chapter 3 to chapter 37. In chapter 3, he had to kind of pace himself and brace himself. But in chapter 37, he saw the reality of the pacing and the bracing. He saw 
that all the dryness, all the disenfranchisement, all the frustration, all the anger that was engulfed in his city can be eradicated. This morning I wish to share with you wherever your travels will lead you this morning or this afternoon or this evening, however you have or whatever time you find yourself consuming this. I pray that you would understand something. Number one, you believe the Bible, and you believe that the Bible is true. You believe that the words of the Bible is true. I didn't make anything up. You read it for yourself. So either we believe this book is real and these words are saying, and if we do, then we know that our problems, our situations, and most importantly, our struggles are temporary and that there will come a time when we will overcome. And we have overcome. We are not the same people we were 50 years ago. We are not the same people we were 20 years ago. We are not the same people we were 20 minutes ago because life has presented us with a great choice, a great choice of life. So this morning I pray not only for life personally, the sight of life personally, I pray for the sight of life corporately, that you will see your communities, your churches, your schools, your places of work, your places of social enrichment, that you will see breaths of new life into them, that you will believe that one day before your eyes are closed and your bones are bleached, that you will see a vibrant, revitalized community. I pray for you to believe that today, that all things are possible if you just believe. Brother Dennis is going to come pray for us. Again, we're praying not just for salvation. We're not praying for you to connect with Jesus. That's, that's, that's a given. But once you connect, we ask that you pray that the Jesus you connect with is able to override the cynicism of our day. That Jesus is just as powerful, that beyond saving your soul and bringing new life into you, that he can change your environments, that he can revitalize your circumstances, that he can revitalize your communities. I pray that you believe that today. Brother Dennis comes. Good morning. Let's pray. Father God, we know that you're the same today as you were yesterday, and you'll be the same tomorrow. But we are changing. We do change every day, every minute, every second. We just hope that we change to conform to your will. And we just ask that you give us the strength to be who we should be that we should be beacons for you and we should be prayer warriors for you. Then we know that your will have the 
You have the power to change everyone. You have the power to change the world and communities, starting with each individual. And we just ask you give us the strength to change and to be strong for you. You know, if everyone on this uh, this morning would just take a minute, just pray for a minute every day, every day. Pray for your community. Pray for your your street. Pray for your city. Pray for your uh, councilmen, mayors, governor, president, congressmen. It'll change. It'll change. And you have the faith in that. You have the faith to believe this Bible is true. And you have the faith to understand that Jesus is the Son of God. We just ask you to be with us. Continue to watch over us. Give us the strength to be who we should be, not only today, but tomorrow and the future. Thank you, God, for giving us that opportunity to lift you up, to pray for you, to pray for ourselves, our world, and those around us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless. God bless. Amen. Amen.